الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على لا عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وما هذه الحياه الدنيا الا له ولعب وان الدار الاخره لهي الحيوان لو كانوا يعلمون وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كن في الدنيا كانك غريب او عابر سبيل او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وسبحان الله الكريم brothers and elders the quran sharif in numerous places allah taala has given us the reality of what dunya is all about in some places this dunya has been described as mataul ghurur the goods of deception and in some places allah taala has given a parable about dunya the dunya the example of it is kamasali ghaythin a'jaba al-kuffara nabatuhu thumma yahiju fatarahu musfarran thumma yakunu hutama the crux of this ayat is example is been given of a farmer who has planted his crop so now a time comes when that seedlings grow and then that crop is now lush the time comes that it's lush it becomes very very attractive and a person becomes very very engrossed in it he's planning ahead that now as this crop is now coming to its stage of ripening so there will be a lot that will be achieved out of this i will harvest this crop and then i will sell it off and then i will make a profit on whatever was invested in it and then i will do this and i will do that and lengthy plans he makes out of that what he can see now in front of him but then suddenly something happens the whole thing is just it was green and lush it's now gone yellow and then something happens and it is all just dust this is dunya the dunya suddenly becomes very very close to a person's heart this dunya seems like everything is now in hand and allah taala's shan allah taala protect us and keep us with afiyat from all calamities and trials and tribulations suddenly is nothing and in any case every person is one day going to leave this dunya that this whole life in this dunya will appear like a dream like a person just came and he went once he has reached the akhirah this whole life is just like a dream has passed so repeatedly in the quran sharif this reality of dunya has been brought forward to us and at the same time the reality of akhirah has been repeatedly enforced as well that akhirah is a reality dunya dunya appears to be very much but it is nothing in reality it's just a passing phase and anything that's just going to pass and be over don't give too much importance to it 
but something that's going to be lasting, that is what's going to be of importance. And therefore, Nabi Salaam says, فَآثِرُوا مَا يَبْقَى عَلَى مَا يَفْنَى Give preference to that which is lasting over that which is very, very temporary. What is going to perish? So on the one hand, this dunya is a place that we have to pass through. And in order to be able to get along in dunya, we're going to have to use the dunya also. And Allah Ta'ala created the dunya for using it. Allah Ta'ala created the dunya that the halal things in dunya may be used and a person may make shukar and get closer to Allah Ta'ala. But that is where the whole test also is. Rum Rahmatullah he gives the example of a ship which is sailing on the ocean. So that ship won't sail on dry land. It will sail, it will sail on water. And because there's that mass of water underneath it, the ship can be of such great benefit. Because that water is under it, it now can sail onto that water and it carries that tons and tons of things and moves from one point of one end of the world to the other end of the world. And this is such a great na'mat of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala mentions this in the Quran Sharif. And this is a sign by means of which a person can gain the marifat of Allah Ta'ala. I mean, ayatihil jawari fil bahrikal alam. Allah Ta'ala says, have you not seen among the signs of Allah Ta'ala are these huge ships that sail on the seas like mountains. In the previous times when they had these sail boats. So now they, depending on the size of that boat or that ship, that's how big those sails used to be. And sometimes from a distance it looks like a little mountain. Allah is saying, can you imagine, have you thought about this? This mass of weight. And now in this time and age, that one ship is carrying not tons, hundreds of containers. Each one is tons and tons. And this is sailing on water. You put a little bit of something which has few grams of weight in it and it starts sinking in the water. Allah Ta'ala's kudrat. Allah Ta'ala gave insan that understanding that how to design the ship. That despite all that mass of weight, you just take a piece of that ship, a small piece of it, one small piece of that metal and throw it in the water and it will sink. And that whole ship is sailing on the water, you are sinking. This is the Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala mentions in the Quran Sharif in several places. In ayatihil jawari fil bahrikal alam. And many other ayat of the Quran Sharif. Now this, on the one hand, this water now, as long as it's under that ship, it has become such a great benefit to it. It's now making it possible for the ship to sail from one end of the world to the other. And carry all this, this benefit from one end of the world to the other. And without this sea freight, it would have been impossible for many things to get to one point to the other. It would have just been too much. But here in one ship, all this goes along. But if that same water comes into the ship, this is the example Rum Rahmatullah is giving. This water was of such great benefit to it, as long as it was under it, outside it. But that water now starts leaking and seeping into the ship. 
So that same water that was a source of great benefit to it, is going to cause its destruction. That same water will cause it to sink. And it will cause it to become a non-entity and perish. So this is exactly the example of dunya. The example of dunya is giving. The dunya is like this water. In order to sail through dunya, a person will need water. But if that water has to come within him, into his heart, if it's under him, meaning helping him to move along, Alhamdulillah, it's a na'mad. But if this water had to get into himself, into his heart, his heart and mind is now focused towards dunya only. And towards the amassing of dunya, and increasing dunya, for the sake of increasing it. So then this is now gone into the heart and this is going to cause the destruction of it. And this is where the lesson of Zuhud comes in. Among the very great lessons that Rasulullah taught and the lesson which is in the Quran Sharif is this lesson of Zuhud. Zuhud literally means abstinence. That on the one hand, this dunya is a means of great benefit if it is acquired correctly, used correctly and it's outside. It doesn't come inside. But there is a degree of abstinence that is required from this dunya. And to that extent, a person would be able to now move comfortably through it. But if this love of dunya comes into the heart, then it's going to be very dangerous. You know, in Hadith Sharif, Nabi Wasallam said to the Sahaba Ikram, that a time will come سَتَدَاعَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْأُمَمْ كَمَا تَدَاعَ الْأَكَلَةُ إِلَىٰ قَسْعَتِهَا A time will come when the nations of the world will call upon one another, meaning against you, against the Muslims. Like people sitting around some food, they, they're inviting one another, you eat first. You have a share also. Or people invite one another to come join in a meal. So just as people invite one another to come have a share also in that meal, to share that meal, people, the, the nations of the world, will invite one another, will encourage one another, will call upon one another, they come, you also join up. The coalitions of the world will be formed to devour the Muslims. Now this was something that the Sahaba found very, very strange. To understand this was very strange for them. That this can only possibly happen if the Muslims have a very minute number. Then everybody can have this kind of courage or they can become so bold to actually call upon one another to come and devour the Muslims. Otherwise, in the time of the Sahaba Ikram, that small number of theirs, that number too had already instilled awe in all the great superpowers of the time. So therefore they asked the question to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Will it be due to our very small number that we will be very few in number? Nabi sallallahu said, no. You will be in a very huge number. Bal antum kathir. Walakinnakum ghusa'un ka ghusa'is sail. But you will be like the, like the dirt on the flood waters. The foam on the flood waters. It has no, it's insignificant, it might be a lot, but that lot means nothing. It's just washed away without any, it's any resistance. And the reason for this would be that this wahan would have entered your hearts. 
Now this word wahan was something not very clearly understandable to them. That what is it being referred to in this context? Because wahan literally means weakness. This weakness would have come into your hearts. Oh, there's something specific being spoken about here. What is this weakness? So they inquired, what is this? The beast last replied and said, Hubbud dunya wa karahiyatul maut. The love of dunya and the dislike of death. When this enters the heart, then this would become the end result of the ummah. So when the ummah, this becomes widespread in the ummah, that this love of dunya is crept in, and the dislike of death, then the ummah would have come down to this low point, where the nations of the world, that they would now be very very bold to call upon one another, to come and attack and devour the Muslims. So the ilaj and the remedy to this hubbud dunya and this love of dunya is zuhud. The zuhud, abstinence. One is the abstinence of a very high level. The abstinence of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa The abstinence of the sahaba kiram. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa what was his level of abstinence? That while on the one hand Allah ta'ala had offered that if you want we will turn these mountains into gold for you. And then follow you wherever you want. But what did Nabi Salaam choose? That I prefer that one day I have something to eat, I will make shukar. One day I stay hungry, I'll make sabar. And to the extent that he left the dunya in this manner, that there wasn't even sufficient oil to light the lamp of Rasulullah Wasallam the night that he passed on from dunya. The day that he passed on from dunya, the night before, there wasn't sufficient oil to light his lamp. Hazrat Aisha Siddiqah radiallahu ta'ala sent that lamp to a neighbor's house to please borrow some oil so that this lamp could be lit. So this was the level of abstinence of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa After the passing of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and in the time of the Sahaba, later on, as time passed, it's a lengthy narration, but the crux of it is, the time came much later when the rooms that were around the masjid of Rasulullah sallallahu these were demolished in order to expand the masjid. But when this decision was made and when this letter was read out in Madinah Munawwara, Marwan bin Hakam has sent this Instruction that in order to expand the masjid, we got no other choice but to now demolish these rooms. So, Sa'id ibn Musayyab rahimahullah, Sayyidul Tabi'een, among the greatest Tabi'een, he cried and he said, Wallah, how I wish they had left this. That this never was demolished. And the reason? He says, What was these rooms all about? He said, I saw it. Uh, before him, the person who was there, Atta Khurasan, he says, I saw it too. He says, what was it? It was date palm. That was the wall. The wall was all date palm, all put together. The door, وَعَلَىٰ أَبْوَابِهَا الْمَسُوحِ مِنْ شَعْرٍ أَسْوَدْ The door was actually sackcloth, which would be somehow kept in place. He says, this was the house of Rasulullah sallallahu These were the rooms that his azwaj mutahharat occupied. 
He says, this is what, if this remained, the next generation that will come, they will see this, or somebody from outside will come to Madinah Munawwara, they will see this, and they will understand what Nabi Wasallam sufficed on. And this might bring some understanding to them, and bring some inkling in their hearts, to also not chase and hank after the dunya. So it will bring some kind of moderation in their lives. The halal ni'mas Allah Ta'ala has blessed is to use, but the desire for evermore, that is very dangerous. And that moderation which is required, that is essential. That a person's heart and mind is not focused and latched onto dunya. That forever this is what he wants. So this lesson of zuhud, the zuhud, there are various levels of this zuhud. One is compulsory, farz. The zuhud which is farz is to make zuhud from that which is haram. To abstain from that which is haram, that is farz. That level of zuhud is compulsory. So whether it's a haram transaction, some haram item, whatever it might be, haram actions, zuhud from all these things, this is compulsory. There is no compromise on this. That is the highest level and the most important level of Zuhud. Or rather the other way around, you can say the most basic level of Zuhud. Then, the next level of Zuhud is Zuhud from that which is doubtful. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says that Halal is clear cut. Halal ubayyin. And Haram, Haram is also clear cut. There is no ambiguity in what is halal and no ambiguity in what is haram. There are certain things which are totally clear cut. But then in between there are certain things which are in a grey area. There are certain things which fall in a doubtful category. They are doubtful, doubtful with regard to how a person, what is his depth of knowledge? What is his depth of understanding? For a person with great depth, he might see it as clear as something else, on which side it falls. But the average person can't make it out. وَبَيْنَهُمَا مُشْتَبِحَاتِ لَا يَعْلَمُهُنَّ كَثِيرٌ مِّنَ النَّاسِ Nabi Sallallahu said, many people don't know, not everyone, many people don't know what the reality is. Because they don't have that depth, they don't have that knowledge, they don't have that insight, they can't work out what the reality is. لَا يَعْلَمُهُنَّ كَثِيرٌ مِّنَ النَّاسِ so therefore Nabi Islam then says, the one who saves himself from these doubtful situations, then he will protect his deen, protect his honor. And the person who just takes it for granted, because everybody is doing something, so what's wrong with it? Now in one sense, there's perhaps a doubt in it. But then well, you say, well everybody is doing it. So everybody is doing it, if I do it also, what's, what's the problem with it? Now that is... What Nabi Islam is saying, that the person who starts falling into these doubtful things, fil haram, he'll end up falling into haram. First it was a grey area, but that grey area will take him into that which is haram. Because this starts dropping the inhibitions, he becomes a bit casual and lax. Because he's already in a grey area, so he's already compromised something to a point. Because he himself understands that this is not 100%, I'm not clearly... 100% sure that it's fine. Okay, it might be better. It's, I think it's alright. And it's, I think it's alright. 
there's already a doubt in it. The heart is already saying that it may be not alright also. Now certain things, the doubt is very strong. If the doubt is strong, that should be treated like no different than what is haram. If it's a very minor doubt, then to, to abstain from it will be mustahab. It's a minor doubt, then depending on the situation, the person, etc., to abstain from that too, there will be a degree of istihbab and it will be mustahab to a point to abstain from that. Because one is not exactly sure. It might seem like, okay, it's a small doubt in it, but it this could turn out it's a bigger doubt. This could turn out it's something major. So Nabi Islam then further gives an example. Like a person who is grazing around the royal pasture. Yushiku ayyartafi. It's very close that he'll just hop over the fence and fall into the royal pasture. That is mamno. That is something forbidden. He's not allowed to come in there. The royal pasture is the haram. What Allah has made totally haram. And the border is that mushtabihat. Right on the border are the doubtful things. And the person who comes right on the border, he'll just cross the fence anytime. And he crosses the fence, he's now crossed into royal territory, as he's, he's in big problems. So now it starts off from outwardly what seems to be like not something too serious. And sometimes that is the refrain, and that, 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 that is the way it gets dismissed. Well, it's not a very serious issue. So if it's not a very serious issue, so to read it the other way around means, so therefore it's fine if I do it. But whereas if it's not a very serious issue, it still may be serious. So is that something good enough? A person says it's not a very serious illness. Is this serious? So it's fine. It doesn't matter if now he's going to catch a serious illness, as long as it's not very serious. Nobody's prepared for that kind of illness. So the illnesses of the heart and what affects the ruh, then that too is something to be treated in a similar manner, with great caution. That the rule doesn't get affected by the things that we end up falling into, what we end up doing. So this is the second category, zuhud from the mushtabihat, from the doubtful things. And then is zuhud from fuzul. Then it's a higher category, a higher level. But this too, zuhud from fuzul, things which might not be impermissible, but they are futile of no benefit in akhirat, not even in dunya. It's just futile. And many of these futile things are also borderline cases. Somebody says he's just, he just cannot do without reading the news. Fine, reading the news, one is reading the news to read the, he got to know what the headlines are, he got to know some main things that are happening in the dunya. To a point, fine. But then you ask the person, but how much time you spend reading the news? So he says, well, you see the news, nowadays it's all in the hand. So it just doesn't finish. News carries on 24-7. So in other words, hours are being spent on the news. What, what kind of news? News which itself, number one, is not even 100% whether that news is just propaganda or whether it is accurate. And that is still one category of news. And then the, a good part of the news and a very big part of the news is simply gossip. One is, there is some, meaning it's fine to a point, but that too is a big question about it, whether how much of it is propaganda, and how much of it is reality and truth. 
or how much, how many times a fact is being presented, but is being presented in a certain slant to create a certain perception. What happened is a fact that is being reported, but the manner in which it is being reported is to create a certain perception in the mind of the person who is reading it, in the mind of the person who is listening to it. And many a person gets affected by that. And sometimes you'll find Muslims making comments against aspects of Shariat and Deen. Where did such a thing come from? That a Muslim is making a comment, Nauzubillah, against some aspect of Deen because of the way it was presented in some news item. That slant in which it was given, that something happened somewhere, that matter was being reported, but how it was being reported was made to make a person feel doubtful about something in Deen. That Nauzubillah, this can't be right. Now the person is listening to this kind of news and reading this kind of news, and now he's talking this kind of stories. So, but in any case, that's one category, and that's a small part of it. And the very big part of the news is simply gossip. Much of it is total ghibat also. And a good amount of it is complete bhutan too. Now, person gets caught up in this, and he's reading about it, and he's getting deeper, and what benefit? Nothing. Totally nothing. But what is the, the other side of it? That he's so caught up, he can't do without reading this news. But there's no time to read Quran Sharif. There's no right time to read his tasbihat. There's no time to make dua. There's no time for deen. Because he's caught up in all these things. So this zuhud from that fuzul. This will save him from many, many things that will eat up his time. And deprive him of many good things. Many a person, mashallah, took the himmat. You see, they've given up all social media. Suddenly they found in ample time for the tilawat of the Quran Sharif. They found ample time now to complete their mamulat, the tasbihat, zikr. See, the only thing they did was, it was a big step for them. They thought it was impossible. They did it, mashallah. They're finding this peace in their lives. One person just a few days ago, he says, there's a strange peace I'm finding. After giving up all this, the strange peace in my life which I thought I couldn't have achieved. I thought this was just a dream. Suddenly I'm finding there's a strange peace in my life. So now all these things have a way of completely overtaking a person's heart and mind and overtaking his life. And that just becomes the norm. That just becomes a way. But as a result, the person now is deprived of his deen, deprived of amal of deen and making being part of the efforts of deen. And this starts affecting his dunya also, it starts affecting his family, it starts affecting everything. So this zuhud from fuzul on the one level is a preferable thing. But from the other angle, this too is a thing of great good for him. That he stays away from this fuzul and these things which are futile. Because much of this also is on the border. Then the other part of it is, what will enable a person to, to, to become zahid? to inculcate and develop this zuhud. So one is to keep reflecting upon the reality of dunya and to familiarize oneself, acquaint oneself with the ayat of the Quran Sharif, with the ahadith of Rasulullah regarding the reality of dunya. That this is just like a shadow that is passing. Just a thought, like a dream. And in any case, one day everybody has to go. 
So to keep reflecting upon this reality. And together with that, the reality of Akhirat. Akhirat is a real place. أَعَدَدْتُ لِعِبَادِيَ الصَّالِحِينَ مَا لَا عَيْنٌ رَأَتْ وَلَا أُذُنٌ سَمِعَتْ وَلَا خَطَرَ عَلَى قَلْبِ بَشَرْ Nabi Islam says that Allah Ta'ala says that I've prepared for my pious servants in Jannat that which no eye can, has ever seen, no ear has ever heard, and no heart can ever think about also. To think about this, to ponder over it, those ayat of the Quran Sharif that depict Jannat, to ponder over it, those ahadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu that explain all the various bounties and ni'mas of Jannat, to read about it, to ponder over it. So this is the second thing. And the third thing is, to keep reflecting upon this reality, that the amount of dunya that a person will get, is decreed. His chasing after it is not going to bring one bit more. So when this is a reality, he'll make a moderate effort. What is decreed for him will come. The effort which is reasonable, which is moderate, he'll make that. But he won't hanker after it. Because he's 100% that he will not earn one bit more than what is decreed for him. And at the same time, if he does not chase after it, he will not be deprived of one bit of what is decreed for him. Doesn't mean that if he doesn't chase after it, he will get any less. If he doesn't chase after it too, he won't get one bit lesser than what is decreed for him. That must come to him. Umar Palampuri used to give the example of a like a tank of water, drum of water. Now that tank or that drum is 200 liter, 500 liter, whatever it might be. So now there's a 500 liters in it. So now if a person puts one tap on that tank, which has 500 liters in it, and then he opens that tap, it will take that duration of time, and that amount of water will come out what is in that tank, 500 liters. One tap, and 500 liters will come. And supposing a person puts two taps, puts one on the right, one on the left, so, because he put two taps, will the quantity double up? It's still the same tank, it's still the same quantity in there, there's two taps, he's going to have to run around both sides to collect it, but he'll collect at the end of the day still 500 liters. It'll happen now that the flow might get affected now because it's coming out from two, two ends, it'll flow at a different rate, but at the end of the day it'll still be 500 liters. And if he puts four taps, he'll still get 500 liters. So in that tank of risk of each person, Allah has decreed whatever is there for him. Now how many taps he wants to put for it, what he wants to do for it, how much he wants to chase behind it, he'll still get the same amount. And if he makes a moderate effort, he'll still get the same amount. That moderate effort, this is part of this system of dunya. Allah Ta'ala has made that the means. Make a moderate effort and eat from the risk of Allah Ta'ala. But the focus and the purpose of dunya is akhirat. The focus not dunya. This is the water on which the ship has to sail. It's not the water to bring into the ship. So this reality of dunya is something to keep pondering over. And in this way, a person would be able to move comfortably through this dunya without becoming entangled in all the things that go around. 
and that distract a person from his purpose of life. That distract a person from his direction. That take a person off his route. And that is a very, very dangerous situation because a person is off his route but suddenly the journey might end. So now he's in a, in a different direction. Allah forbid where he finishes off. He has to remain on track. Because this journey might just stop at any moment. And the road on which he is on, he'll get taken to the end point of that road in that one last second. He's traveling on that road of deen, on that road to get closer to Allah Ta'ala, on that road to earn the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. And being insan, he's sometimes faltering, sometimes falling. But when he falters, he falls, he immediately wakes up and makes whatever, cleans himself out, sorts himself out and he keeps walking on the same road. So he's on the track. So likewise in this dunya, that sirat-e-mustaqeem, that road of deen and that straight path that leads to Allah Ta'ala, person has to remain on that path. And being insan, sometimes he falters, sometimes he falls, sometimes he slips into something. But as soon as he realizes that this is where I've fallen, then he doesn't remain there one second more. He immediately makes toba, he begs Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness, and he brings himself back onto that same road. That's sirat mustaqim Now he's making an effort, a concerted effort, he's trying, sometimes slipping and falling, but he's still coming back onto the same path with toba and istighfar. The day will come when life has to leave. But he's still en route. But provided he's on that road, in that last second Allah Ta'ala will take him to the end point. In that last second he'll get to the point of the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. Though he was still traveling. This is the grace of Allah Ta'ala for the person who is making that effort. So, this is the only path we have and this is the path that Nabi Salaam has taught us. This requires that we keep our energies, our attention focused in continuing in the direction of deen. And we try to keep ourselves far away from all the things that distract us from this path. All the things that seem to be very, very glittering and glamorous out there. But which in reality is a deception. It's that mataul ghurur. It is that goods of deception. Much of it is the means of destruction. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, give us a tawfiq, keep us steadfast on sirat al-mustaqeem, save us from all the deviations, all the things that lead to destruction, and Allah ta'ala, keep us with iman, take us with iman, and raise us on the day of qiyamah with iman, wa akhiru da'wana, alhamdulillahi rabbil alam.